0: you're listening to rookie pirate radio the official anime and manga podcast for in between drafts i'm john negroni and i'm travis hymas And today we're doing a manga recap of One Piece chapter 1073 titled Miss Buckingham Stussy. And obviously we're going to be discussing spoilers for the One Piece manga up until this point. So if you have not yet read the chapter, you can always check it out right now for free on the official Viz website for up to three weeks after the official release, which is today. And we'll link to that as usual in the show notes. Although Travis, before we get into the recap real quick, Let's let the listeners know we we want their feedback because Travis and I we're not, you know, we're not the gods. We're not the gores say, we don't, you know, we get lots of things uh, wrong factually, you know, and if you have something you'd like to add to the discussion, whether it be a correction of something we've said, your own theory, maybe some speculation or even a fun Easter egg to one one of the one piece chapters of the past, you can always drop us a quick comment on inbetweendrafts.com or even better. You can join our discord you can hang out with us in the one piece spoiler server we'd love to have you so link to that is also in the show notes and it's a great time we have fun on the discord don't we travis
1: we sure do uh please come tell me uh when i am wrong because uh I, for all of I my not i, I myself. will be wrong
0: <laughs> need help you know i i feel like Brandy. it's actually the other way around it's me constantly asking travis if a theory is right and he says no but generally <laughs>
1: It's it, it's it's less of a no and more of a well no this is a fact check because my brain is poisoned and all it <laughs> knows is manga back chapter history.
0: <laughs> there you go. So we're talking One Piece chapter one thousand seventy three Miss Buckingham Stussy. What do you think of this chapter, Travis? Where are you at with
1: this <sighs> one? Man, it's uh, it's the same as it's been for all of these. What a what an absolute ride! Just genuinely. Um, You know, usually a big reveal like last chapter would drag things out and we'd be left to theorize all all a bunch of stuff. And instead, half the stuff we started theorizing last time we talked about a chapter began getting played out and getting our answers and clarifications immediately. Um, There's no more playing around. We're not dragging this out no more. It's it's endgame time, baby. And I'm really feeling it.
0: Yeah, so you—it's—it's it's almost like as you said, "What a ride!" It makes me think that it felt like Wano, really—the whole Four Emperors saga. Really, it was more like a lazy river, you know. And now we're on a roller coaster. Now we're kind of just like speeding through, and we're doing loops. And I'm certainly disoriented in some ways, but there are lots of firsts in this chapter here. Lots of uh, potential Ws for theories that. John has had, and I'll prove because yes, <laughs> I, there there were a couple of things in this chapter where I was I was right after our discussion last week. I hit you up and I was like, hey, "Hey, what about this though?" And sure enough, I this chapter all but confirmed it. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So okay, I guess we can start with the cover reveal. The you know the latest installment, volume twenty nine of German German sixty emotionalist excursion. And this is an interesting one. So we see a young Vegapunk horrifying the rest of the Mads crew, which uh, clearly sometimes Pascu's Queen's a little bit bigger. And he's uh, getting that weight that he loves. And we see that apparently Vegapunk won, or for Mads, I guess, the Mobile Peace Prize, their version of the Nobel Peace Prize, for apparently GP flowers. So it, it says here it blooms out of gunpowder. So we see tanks like blowing out flowers and... Is, I guess that's a very Punk thing, like the idea that he would invent something that would essentially create beauty out of war, you know, uh, I guess it speaks to his character a bit.
1: Yeah, uh, this is such a fascinating uh, little cover story, because uh, like I'd hinted before last time we spoke, uh, there, there seems to be some growing divide between what Vega Punk is doing as the so-called head of Mads, and what his cohorts are actually doing, and this just kind of seems to really draw that line. Um, I'm also incredibly fascinated by the implication that there is a uh, <laughs> that there is a par- like a parallel to the Nobel Peace Prize in One Piece. That is such a weird little yeah. tidbit of lore that I'm going to be consumed with forever because now who is mobile what yeah, did he well, accomplish gives, in the
0: one piece <laughs> and who gives out the peace prize the world government i, I, I don't really get right? that like I, who does it? is there some sort of like one piece like grand line university or something that we've never heard of we're we gonna go to like it's a, a college entirely town possible. Island?
1: it's entirely <laughs> possible right like like there probably is an island out there that is just like one big harvard or something because yeah. why not uh and they give out peace prizes like what a, what a wild idea uh the conspiracy theorist in my head is like oh yeah the world government would fund a peace prize because they don't actually want um countries getting too uh uppity if you know what i mean uh but uh the other thing i want to call out too is what is up with vega punk's eyes in this panel here
0: <laughs> yeah he kind of looks my like dude. well when i first saw it i was like oh has he just been like up all night and he that's what i thinking like you know, dazed and you know, his head too is still like Vegeta style, where it's like very, very high up, big forehead. Uh he doesn't have that ability like he has in the current timeline where he just has like the apple, you know. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's interesting. It looks like he's just been up all night doing this, which is, is very Vegapunk, admittedly, very in character, but he he looks pretty faded. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lie.
0: <laughs> all right, that's enough fun. So the ch- the chapter kind of opens up where it left off, Stussy took down Kaku in the last chapter and we now see her bringing down of course our our old friend Rob Lucci he's down for the count you think this is it for him do you think he's uh out of this arc essentially as a as a real antagonist I mean I, I, it
1: looks like he's down <sighs> as a real antagonist I'm glad you qualified that uh is he is he down for the count permanently probably not is he our threat no <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not um i mean ha- i mean how how much rubbing does it take to get stone uh lipstick off you know right <laughs> like hatterene could theoretically take care of that but uh is are they threats now i think we've established truly and completely that both of these guys are just gonna get absolutely wiped out every single round uh for the rest of this arc and i'm good with that <laughs> they got it coming
0: yeah my guess is that yeah because like you said uh Stussy, she uses two interesting uh, abilities we haven't seen from her yet. Uh, so, obviously, I mean, she, the one that we have seen is when she chomps on Luchi and that puts him to sleep. And she calls him a cat How nice. But yeah, she also, like you said, she uses sea prism stone lipstick to kind of, yeah, she like puts it right on his neck and it. It lowers his power. And there's a nice little, I think, caveat that's added here where it's not that Stussy is stronger than Luchi and Kaku. She says that, like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to fight fair. Uh, She just has the jump on them and is able to bring them down with dirtier tactics, which is pretty CP0 of her, I guess, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that you would expect from a government agent in the, the highest secret intelligence agency. But also we see her use one of the six powers, the paper art after image. Uh, so she's able to dodge Lucci when he gets tries to get the jump on her. So uh, it, it is kind of interesting that he underestimates her a little bit. Although maybe he doesn't because he does go for the kill like immediately.
1: Yeah, uh, he's he's using the uh, the finger gun. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we still call it the finger gun. But that's what I've always called it. Um, you know, he, he the nose gun. Yeah, exactly. Like they are immediately going for it. Um, but this is the first time we've ever seen two CP agents really go at each other. You know before, so it's almost like a duel, like they've played this out in their heads, and she already knows how this is going to go, so she's changed her tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time we've ever seen them really go at each other like this, um, which is uh, fun, actually. <laughs> Even <laughs> if she wasn't a traitor, it's fun to see that.
0: I'm sort of thinking that, and this is a bigger comment on the whole chapter, I feel like we're gearing up for a big flashback mini arc. Um, I feel like we're gearing up for. Maybe like three to five chapters of just Bonnie Vega and Vegapunk going through memories of Kuma. Could even be longer than five chapters for all we know. And my thinking is that we're probably going to have a bit of like a time skip, like mini time skip, obviously, between when the uh, Elder Star, who gets named in this chapter, which we'll talk about, shows up with Kizaru and everything goes from there. But I think that there's going to be like this like natural like passage of time. And my thinking is that Luchi and Kaku are going to be like tied up and like put away. Like they're going to find they're going to dispose of them, essentially, not kill them, but find a way to just take them out of the picture. So, we, you know, readers don't have to worry like, well, when are they coming back? Because, yeah, I don't I don't see them being like rescued or, you know, necessarily getting picked up by the Marines at some point unless they just abandon them uh right there so uh because i don't think we see them tied up anywhere like later on like once with the seraphim get pacified i think that's it that we see of luchi and kaku right
1: it is i think the um because she reports to um to shaka that you know there's Seed prism stone on them uh which is very effective as we've seen in the past so i think this is just a, a, a hey we're on a time limit here Yeah, they're incapacitated. They're going to be weakened. They won't be able to use their devil fruit powers. That's good enough, long enough for us to get out of here. Seems to be kind of at least her think her thought process.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And I we get this uh, revelation that she has been working or has been on the same side as the Vegapunks for over two decades. So it's kind of curious about this. So it says over two decades of undercover work, and we know that she's a clone of Miss Buckingham. But she looks so young. Do you think that? I guess there's either two two ways to go about this. Either she went, like went undercover at a very very young age. Like let's say she's in her 30s right now. Maybe she you know went undercover when she was like 10 to 15, like a teenager, which wouldn't be out of the question for this world because lots of characters came up from being like very young into the Marines and all that. And she was a leader of the pleasure district, so that you know maybe she was undercover for CP0 in that instance. We don't really know. But the other theory, I guess you could say, is that she ages a lot slower than other people. So she might have been like a fully grown adult uh, for a long time. And if if it's the sort of thing where she doesn't age necessarily because she's a clone, uh, or it could be a because she's a clone, or it could be related to her succubus powers, right? It could be whatever that is. We don't know if she's yeah. a devil fruit. We don't know if that's a side effect of her cloning. We don't know anything really.
1: Right. It's it, the way I'm leaning is it's either um, a clone thing or a devil fruit thing. Um, you know, we don't. Is it a vampire? Is a succubus? Either one of those has you know plenty of of, of excuses for her to be younger. Um, all of these, of course, make it more interesting when we do eventually see the original. Uh, Miss Buckingham Stussy, yeah. who is very much not young, <laughs> and um, and we've never seen any of these powers from her. The you know being able to use after images, of course, she's been with you know the government for twenty years. It's yeah. something the Why does she look the way that she looks? Um, the other thing that I think is interesting about her age and explaining that she's been this um, this double agent is that Shaka implies that that wasn't originally the like expected. <laughs> like the, it's uh not by design i guess is what he says so yeah she found her way there they reconnected how long has vegapunk been working with the government specifically that's also something we don't really have a, f- a firm answer to
0: um well, we given that, what we know he does we know that he was starting to join the government during the ohara incident right that was about 24 years at like before the story started or maybe a little bit more than that. So it does kind of age Stussy a bit because if she was like a little kid, the the reason I'm leaning away toward her being like, oh, she was cloned and like was like a fully formed adult. I'm kind of leaning away from that because the chapter previous said that she was like not only the first successful clone, but she's like positively human. She's like for sure like a natural human being and natural human beings age. So my, I, I kind of lean a little bit more toward, Something happened with Vegapunk and Buckingham Stussy. Like, there was some kind of like all clone, because, oh yeah, we'll get into the Weevil thing. <clears throat> and I think uh, it's time that I no, no.
1: Uh,
0: get my little, my <laughs> get little on your metal. high horse here. <laughs> my high horse. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because, okay, so I didn't say this last week, but literally, I want to say like an hour after we finished our conversation, because we talked about how Dr. Hogback might have been the West Blue scholar that Vegapunk references, right? And I was looking into that and I was like, oh, you know, like who else could be clones? We had a little talk of like the Clone Wars. And I, I couldn't help but notice that Weevil, right, had because I was kind of looking into <clears throat> Buckingham stuff, see, and like all of that. I noticed Weevil has like the stitching. Uh, and I haven't really like paid much stock to that before. We,
1: we mentioned it a little bit um, just the, I, as a general concept. I don't think we talked. Specifically, about what you're getting at here, though, yes, on the it, podcast,
0: and what i'm what I'm getting at is that, that that might be the marker of like an unsuccessful clone. It might be related to Dr. Hogback, but either way, I think that for sure Weevil is a clone of Whitebeard, not his actual like natural son, and so the stussy thing has me thinking that Vegapunk was able to make a clone of Stussy and Whitebeard, and it was like some sort of like exchange essentially of like oh stussy will or miss Buckingham, I will." you know, clone Whitebeard for you and you'll get Weevil. But I want to be able to clone you and get my own clone, Stussy. Because I think that based on her age, she and Weevil could be around the same age, essentially. And like Weevil could be the failed clone and she could be the successful one, if that makes sense. And I like that idea better, that they like age naturally as like babies because I don't know. <laughs> but then he probably <laughs> gave her freedom and she's still loyal to him. That's That's my thinking.
1: I, I think at least in the from the humanity sense, because it's very clear that while Vegapunk um, definitely has no qualms about playing God, um, he does seem to have a, at least a general understanding of like human nature and that like it's better to embrace it rather than try to control it, um, which would explain why, for example, Judge's clones do not, you know, they come out fully formed, basically. Or they um, like vat age ground.
0: super fast. Too, yeah, right? they're
1: grown, basically, yeah. right? Um, So I could see, you know, a Vegapunk clone being an alternative to that. There is, of course, the the issue of of Buck and herself uh, being referred to as um, a freeloader for Mads, which suggests to me not necessarily like a specific involvement of someone else, but that she allowed herself to be a test subject in order to hang out with these guys and then tried to repeat their work herself, but doesn't have the skill level that they do
0: but then she probably was inherited from, and there there's our connection to the Rocks pirates that I was desperately searching for before. Right. And we kind of have it here is that it, it essentially is Miss Buckingham who was part of rocks and well, yeah, that's confirmed, right? Cause they confirmed that in the last chapter.
1: Confirmed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So now, now that we've is, linked okay. it. Yeah. We've linked it and we've linked and we've confirmed specifically that the old Buckingham that we've seen before Um, is in fact, at least based on title cards here, the real deal. She's the real one as long as the narrator's not lying to us and they never have before really Um, obscured information, sure, but never lied. Um, So I'm pretty sure she's the real deal, um, which, you know, we're we're real close to Kevin Feige busting in here and just starting to say it's all connected because yeah, yeah. uh, it really is starting to come come together in some interesting kind not like not like what we would have expected, but all of these threads are starting to tie themselves together into uh, you know this big netted ball of <laughs> connection. Even though the Straw Hats have no frame of reference for all these things that we're learning, which is always fun for me. Like uh, Luffy, literally, even if you did tell him all of this, would not care. And that's always my favorite part about him.
0: Hey, you know, uh, and yeah, and I think also like fake upon giving her freedom. I mean, he has a soft spot for kids, as we know. But actually, I'm starting to wonder now if uh, well, maybe like both that. things about Stussy are true, which is that, you know, maybe she did. Maybe she's a lot older than we think. Like maybe she did grow like naturally, but it was during the rock's time. So years and years before, but she like stopped aging because of the succubus fruit, if that's a fruit at all. Uh, right, which I, if it's I think fruit at all. I'm way it more sounds, leaning more a fruit.
1: I mean, even if it was Vegapunk who gave her the powers, it had to come from a fruit, right? Because that's where his so. work has been centered.
0: And I could see it being something like a vampire succubus thing where her aging either stops or she's able to keep herself young by sucking blood, essentially. Yeah, feeding on. I like uh, that know, idea because yeah, then yeah. that leaves room for her for her being the one who is part of rocks and the real Buggingham being part of Mads. Not really you know
1: ah, I, see, I see what you're saying i see yeah. what you're saying
0: We're trying to make room but we can only speculate for now because <laughs> we don't have a ton of info and yeah, stussy does seem like the kind of person who's been around like she's pretty yeah. intelligent
1: yeah and she's gonna be catching up with the rest of the crew so so i mean yeah. eventually you know eventually we do leave egghead regardless of what happens eventually we leave egghead And we'll have somebody eventually ask a question of, hey, what's up with this, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that that moment will come. It will probably be Usopp, but (laughs) someone's going to, or or Nami, you know, somebody's going to be doing it. And, you know, the Straw Hats have a resident historian for a reason, right? So, yeah. Yeah, And I think we're getting those answers.
0: I think you're right. And we also see the Seraphim are still trying to blow up the lab with everybody else inside except for Zoro and Brook. And so they're trying to keep them at bay, but unfortunately Stussy is unable to override Luchi's existing order, which I thought was kind of weird. It's like, why can't she just give them a new order if she has the authority chip? It, it uh, that's a little how, odd.
1: uh that's how um because remember it's a hierarchy, right? It's it's less about possessing the chip itself and more about what that chip identifies you as, because she is so undercover, she's literally CP0. That's how they perceive her.
0: Yeah, but also But she also has- <laughs> She can't give them new orders, though, until they finish the previous order. It seems weird to me.
1: That she I can't think order it's because them it would one. be a it would be a conflict, you know. Um, you know, if Luchi had told them told them to stop, for example, they would have stopped. I think is 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 kind of so. how that's supposed to work. But at the end of the day, it's it's this it's the same problem, right? Like, sure, she could stop them, but it doesn't solve the control problem. It might just be, you know, an awkward uh writing situation where like, how do we solve this problem? Because the more a uh, curious thing in my opinion, is not that Stussy couldn't stop them. It's that Lilith couldn't stop them that that's a that is a very curious thing to have happen. Uh,
0: well, there is a difference me. between the scan and the official because in the scam scan, it does look like she is about to like she gives them an order. she says, Listen, but in the official, they took that out, maybe because that was yeah, creating, she gets
1: their, yeah, she gets yeah. their attention
0: yes because she hasn't given a real order yet
1: right but they should be able to identify her and give her attention instead S. hawk attacks which is I
0: see what you're saying like we see that he like legit targets her
1: right right it's it, it maybe it's cuz she doesn't issue it. i just think it's interesting that we've done this in this sequence of events because either it's this this situation um for for oda to draw a little bit of cheesecake in the top panel and then you know follow that up with sanji appearing saving the day but Mm -hmm. you you know um or maybe it just sets up what i think is the is the the little piece of the chapter that i want to chew on the most because it's the most (laughs) revealing yeah Um, i kind of just want to like fly uh, through it honestly (laughs) oh yeah it's uh, this whole sequence the, the stopping the seraphim thing it happens so quickly and we move on to some really fascinating stuff so it's it's easy yeah. to get uh to, to ignore it but uh you
0: it's know sort of we have finishing these pieces. up that fight. yeah we're just we, finishing up the we, fight on egghead it's not like it's super we're important
1: we're in prime terminator territory is what i'm saying like the uh, we're, we're Terminators. in this yeah well we're in this situation where we're told that these are incredibly powerful um you know cyborg cyborgs they have a hierarchy of orders and most notably of all they have Just a little teeny tiny bit of personality, just enough to, you know, make combat decisions. But if we've learned anything about the human condition from One Piece, it's that you can't just do that.
0: Well, I think it's purposeful that that's happening when we're about to learn about Kuma, right? We're about to learn about his sort Uh of conflict between being an android Uh and a, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah so I don't think we're done with the seraphim. I think we've got a couple of twists, and, and I think they're going to yeah. play into the personalities of who they, who they were created from, basically. So,
0: yeah, And what, what you're alluding to there is that there is a bit of a, a clash between Zoro and Mihawk, uh, s Hawk. He goes for s Hawk first, of course, because Zorro, of course you know, <laughs> he wants to. And uh, he says that now that I get a better look at you, you're actually a little more human than him oh, and it's a great one oh, because it sets, it, up, it sets up it sets up so much speculation because like why would oh, he say man, that
1: does it is it because me hawk
0: is sweating you know does it look is it because he looks like empathetic in some way does it is it because he doesn't look as like demonic or is there something else to Mihawk? you know he, that zero is aware of
1: that's what i'm that's where i'm at i'm at this man spent two years with Mihawk, um who has notably you know the calling them more human especially in the official translation is a choice it is such a choice of words because they're not human for one for two mihawk for all of for all we don't know about him he has been portrayed as at least a very honorable man if not a little bit kind Maybe too kind. He's, you know, he doesn't have any patience for Perona, but he does not rid himself of her. He agrees to train Zorro. Even in their very first encounter, where Homie is just going around absolutely destroying Pirate Crews, he intentionally leaves Zorro alive. And obviously, that's for, you know, a specific, you know, reason, but that reason is, you know, You know, maybe one day he'll come beat me up. But then he trains him, he feeds him, he houses him, and Zoro comes away from that with this man has less humanity than a robot version of himself. Yeah. I gotta know. I gotta know. What does that mean? Oh, uh, other Mihawk thing. He refuses to fight Shanks because he thinks Shanks is no longer... um, You know, in the same fighting shape, right? There's there's a little bit of there's it's you know it's it's sympathy for his perceived disability, and we don't think that's really the 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 case. And you know, we could talk about how that may or may not be a kosher, but like you know, he he ultimately operates with a with a code of honor in a in a way nothing that you would normally see somebody considered monstrous. He's no Doflamingo, right? So what a take! What a take from Zorro! I want to know more.
0: It sounds to me. Travis and I, I can't believe I'm hearing this from you, but it sounds to me like you all but subscribe to the worldwide theory that Mihawk is a sword. Uh, a
1: Sword. I hate that theory so much. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> I hate that theory. But how so much? Oh my goodness! Will, how
0: low were our, our jaws drop if that ends oh up? Oh my gosh! Case. If he
1: was a sentient sword, you yeah. know, you know why I just I literally cannot buy into that as a theory because Zoro would never use that sword. <laughs>
0: that's the idea, idea, isn't
1: it? He would never use that sword. And if Zoro isn't inheriting it, why would the sword be? Why would it be the sword? Why (laughs) would that? Why would that be a thing? Uh, But, you know, Mihawk does eventually have to re-enter the story in a way that actually allows him and Zoro to clash. And it can't just be this friendly, you know, oh, well, now I'm strong enough. Let's just have a brawl kind of thing like him and Shanks used to have. This is literally Zoro's entire character. Uh, Character, um, you know, conflict is getting strong enough to fight Mihawk it has to pay off in the story and for the first time in a long time it really feels like we've got some even more optics into Mihawk as a person not just into his past uh which is we have not had for a very long time
0: so we do see Sanji saves Edison right as he orders the seraphim off and Lilith who is supposed to be the satellite of evil (laughs) she she like is extremely excited because she was worried that he died and uh, they cut away, of course, before Sanji could try to milk this appreciation that she has. Well, that's probably to go nowhere. But from there, yeah, we, we just sort of, uh, we, the Seraphim have now been pacified. The pacifistas have been pacified. And everyone's asking questions. And they're going to escape the island now. And they tell Stussy to come with them along with the Seraphim. <laughs> and it panics a bit because it's like, how many more people can we fit on the Sunny? But they can't escape because they've lost track of Vegapunk. And we the, our only shot of Luffy, we didn't see him at all in the last chapter. We see him and Chopper really quickly here, and he is shouting for Bonnie and Vegapunk, who he calls Old Man Punk. And he's like, we can't leave on the ship without you. And this was something that you had speculated of like, do they leave Egghead Island without Vegapunk? It seemed like you were skeptical of that. So a little bit of a W for Travis.
1: Uh, We'll see. I do like that. uh, Again, this is something that I've observed. uh, Before we started the podcast, I observed this. Um, You know, Luffy has a thing about names, right? So if he's calling you by a a nickname, it means you have not become close enough to him for him to bother to remember your name. Um,
0: It also means you're not going to join the crew.
1: It also means you're not going to join the crew. But here, you know, yeah, he calls him old man punk but he's calling him by his name. You know what I mean? Like, like it's much closer to the real name than, you know, cabbage, you know what I mean? <laughs> and of course, for most ever since, um, they first arrived on this Island and, um, and they conf- they had a conflict with that cop pacifista. Luffy has been calling her by her name. Mm-hmm. He There's no, you know, even, even, um, you know, even Law, he had to have a conversation with first. But we haven't even really had that between Luffy and Bonnie. And he's already, like, accepted her. Uh, which is, you know, it's quintessentially Luffy. She cried in front of him, and therefore he has empathy for her. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's what it feels like. Because Luffy is, he's emotionally intelligent, right? He doesn't need your backstory. He just needs to see you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's, it's very telling that he's doing the same thing for Vegapunk now not just calling him old man or anything like that, or calling him Applehead. You know, there's a hundred different <laughs> things Luffy could be calling him and he's not. And that's either a sign of growth from Luffy or it's something specific between his relationships with these two, two characters. And then of course the narrator steps in, yes. which is always a big deal.
0: An incident had occurred, says the narrator and Dr. Vegapunk Stella was nowhere to be found, which, yeah, it looks like, there something happened uh the last we saw vega punk and bonnie they were about to experience kuma's big paw print memory which is why i think they're they're setting up a big flashback arc or some kind of like mini arc where essentially bonnie and vega punk go through like a little bit of a christmas carol essentially with kuma Ooh. and
1: oh christmas carol good Ooh, okay <laughs> That's all right about it. i'm intrigued.
0: And, uh, I did have a thought and I, I messaged this to you and you, of course, you know, said like, that's nice, John, um, keep, keep at it.
1: <laughs> you make, uh, you make it sound like I talked down to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how that's how I, I make it up. I'm like Luffy with the nicknames, you know? Um, but I just had this feeling. It's like, okay, well we have all these Vega punks. We have Stussy. Like, I, I like the idea of like a Vega punk pirate crew. Where you know Stussy is like one of like the higher ups, and you have Shaka, and you have all of them. Like they'd make a fun pirate crew. And after this, and you know if they need a, a fleet to join, there's a straw hat grand fleet. I mean, it's a volunteers welcome. If you ain't gonna stop you, so I'm just saying, the Vegapunk Pirates. You heard it here. It, Probably the only time.
1: It's uh I didn't shoot this down. Um, I, I I was kind of taken aback by it because it hadn't even occurred to me that we could add to the Straw Hat Grand Fleet. <laughs> why not? That is not something. that You're right. Why not? There's nothing that says we can't.
0: I have a feeling we, we're going to add more to the Cross Guild pretty soon.
1: Yeah, like that's a huge. That's a huge uh, catch. Like who's who says we can't? You know, who says that Law can't come around and decide to to join up? Right? Like. Mm
0: i still think I, this could maintain, totally fly i think law is gonna end up with uh, like doing an alliance with blackbeard or something it either would, that it would or... be
1: it would be such a heel turn that would break so many hearts and that's kind of why i would love to see that happen yeah um, it would break my heart even because I, I i quite like law as a character and, and obviously he'd have his own reasons um, i would
0: find it exciting because we would have <sighs> a point of view character
1: could you could you imagine the drama between him and robin if they were on opposite sides could you imagine
0: Oh I the drama. She,
1: I, she,
0: I don't think she has specific beef with Blackbeard on Light like Luffy. No,
1: no, but you know, just as rivals, you know yeah. what I mean? Like a little bit of a little bit of tension. Uh, anyway, your ship uh, shipping, has, uh, my shipping uh, agenda aside. No, the idea of uh of that being the resolution for just the fact that we have so many um Vegapunks to deal with here, that's not a bad idea. It's it's uh it genuinely hadn't occurred to me i think it'd be fun but Um, and lilith at least definitely has uh pirate aspirations we'll say
0: exactly and what else are they gonna do you know that's that's where i keep landing the seraphim that's a different story i think that you know they are of course going to be they're going to continue to be pretty sizable threats against anyone who's not the five elder stars essentially i was going to say the world government but really anybody and so okay the next part of the chapter, so we leave Egghead behind. Oh, oh, and we before before we do
1: that, before we yeah, do that, it's, uh, I, have, I have, as always, my own crackpot theory. Um, you said they're going to do like a Christmas carol thing with the, with the Kuma bubble. I'm going to take that to the next level. They're literally not on the island anymore.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: It sent them somewhere.
0: Oh yeah. Maybe that's, that's, that's a what metaphysical
1: I concept. Maybe maybe it's metaphysical, but I think a physical. Just like his powers have always worked, they were sent somewhere. Maybe if I might be so bold to him, maybe that's why we've been having him hang out on the red line instead of actually integrated into the stories. Now they're going to him so Bonnie can say right. goodbye, and the last thing he does is send them back. Yeah, that's my crazy theory. There, there i, I we think go. It would be
0: i think it would work <laughs> I, and i think there's something to say like if that paw print is more like a portal or something like that right at first i thought no at first i thought it was like vegapunk's ability like or the thing that he was able to do where he could like disappear and teleport and stuff but I think that's only limited to egghead so yeah i don't, I don't think that's gonna last actually there is one other thing i forgot to mention and uh that is don't forget zorro still has something to clear up with vegapunk right
1: oh they uh uh well in the 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 that was in a leaked translation the viz translation clarifies the, that that he's talking more as a general we like a hey what's going on here kind of deal he doesn't have anything specific as far as i can tell i'll have
0: to double check that i thought that was in the official as well because i always read the official after but okay i'll I'll leave that alone because I, I just had this little pet speculation that you know he was going to ask Vegapunk something about uh Ryuma. but yeah I guess I'll have to hold on to that one for dear life that, that little, Every, little dream. You know,
1: everybody wants everybody wants some Zoro content and I get it cuz he's he's a chad <laughs> <laughs> but uh you, you know we I mean let's face it we're going to have some Zoro action there's no way uh, what's coming isn't going to be a good time for him
0: fair enough all right so we make it to Sphinx which is in the New World and this is the hometown of Whitebeard the pirate. And we kind of get this sort of flashback within a a chapter, like small little flashback, where Marco has run into the people of the village and they tell him that apparently some Marines showed up, uh, one of them looking kind of like a badger. And so a lot of people pointed out that he he kind of looks like a different version of Nazumi from the Arlong Park arc, the sort of evil rat-looking pirate, or sorry, Marine who basically acts like a pirate, who uh, very, very well hated by the One Piece fandom. And we kind of have a similar sort of like corrupt Marine trying to get Whitebeard's treasure. He essentially says like, oh, yeah, you know, the, this country is unaffiliated with the world government. And so, you know, the law doesn't protect you here. We know Whitebeard left a vast treasure here. And I think a lot of us rereading that and we're like, ha ha ha, foolish, Foolish marines, foolish dummies. The the, tr- the treasure is all around you. The treasure is his family. No, there's no doubloons you're going to find from Whitebeard. Like, that's not his style. Uh, so the treasure, treasure is the village itself. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter. He's still going to try to line up and shoot an old lady until we see Weevil show up and probably kill him <laughs> because he takes a full hit from Weevil. And uh, we know that Weevil is monstrously powerful. He's called monstrous in this. And that is that is definitely uh a big swing um for the for the story coming along because Weevil's back in the story. So, yeah, Weevil. How are you feeling about Weevil? I
1: I am still in awe that as always, something that very clearly felt like a joke for the longest time, just a fun just a fun little, like, here's a consequence of, of the actions of the world on Oda's part. Turns out to be like a Rosetta Stone for a whole bunch of our of our most wild mysteries in One Piece. Um, true to form for Oda. Um, I think the, uh, you know... It, I'm, I'm impressed that we haven't seen him do much yet. There's a lot of times where we will cut to Weevil... And we we're told that he's powerful, and then we cut away, and he's won his fight. Same with when the warlords were disbanded. You know, they even say he dis- they sent battleships after him. Clearly he destroyed them. We've never seen him really use uh, his powers beyond really this point, though. You know, like, okay, he's strong. He's physically strong. Um, cool. Can he use hockey? Is that why he lost to Green Bull? Is, you know... We haven't seen him fight at all. And I find at this point that to be suspicious more than a time thing.
0: Really? Because Because I just assumed he was really, really powerful. And, you know, we weren't supposed to know him. Maybe that's the
1: case. Maybe that's the case. And I'm just, you know, thinking too hard about it. But now that we know that he's important to the story, and at some point we are probably going to get some overlap between our main storyline. And this storyline, the idea that he's that Oda hasn't at least thought about how this man fights is kind of not likely. So Mm. he's powerful enough to sink tons of battleships, but he's not powerful enough to fight one admiral. I hate power scaling in one piece because it doesn't matter. Our main character is Bugs Bunny. But, (laughs) you know, like. It's 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 we've done it so many times now where we've cut away from him and he's just been kind of working his way. He's very close to us now, physically in the grand line, which feels like a sprint. And again, it's he's now a critical piece of how we're gonna get some of these threads tied together. You know, is Marco really gonna go after him? Are we getting Marco back in the main story? Um, I I feel like we're gonna get a lot more weevil pretty soon, yeah. is is where I'm at, is is you know, he's not just strong. There's going to be a fight that he needs to be involved in. And again, now that you've opened the door, the Straw Hat Grand Fleet could be taking <laughs> uh, applications. No,
0: I think it's I think an idea. this is a cross guild guy.
1: If uh, a, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I think oh. The, I think cross
0: guild is going to be going after former warlords uh, moving forward. And okay. which means law wouldn't be off the table either. Um, if anybody could rescue Law from Blackbeard, it would be Mihawk and Crocodile, right? That said, I think that first of all, with Weevil, I always thought something was really strange with him. Like his introduction, you're right, it does come off like a joke. It comes off as a bit of a punchline. It's like, oh, that's not Whitebeard said. <laughs> but then he becomes a warlord. He they we find out, uh, maybe through the perspective of like when people hear about Buggy's exploits, like he brings down right. battleships, he's super powerful but we really get the best proof of it when the marines uh disband the warlords and when they go after Weevil he takes him down and yeah, apparently, apparently after that does. well apparently after that happens he goes to Sphinx and I was wondering like why would he go to his dad's hometown i had this thought that like maybe he was going to get his father's weapon uh because it's on his grave and he still has, I think, his original weapon um, when we see him like fighting off the marines there. So I don't think he's done that. I think he comes home and then like saves the village, but then Green Bull shows up, and who knows what happens there. I, d- I don't know why else he would go to the village. He clearly has sympathy for the people there, but it, it does seem a little strange that that would be his. Like, all right, where do I go next? Because uh, that well, is something we, that's we been know left they out.
1: were huh, we know they were looking for Marco.
0: Oh, did Stussy some kind of say that she was? hoping to find him because i uh, no, only I, mean, I mean
1: i mean buckin was looking for marco because yeah. they you to know save so Whitebeard, right?
0: Or to save uh, Weevil, even I'm saying it.
1: Well, no, I mean even before that, like earlier when we previously had checked in with these characters, even prior to the oh, Warlords disbanding. I forgot. Marco was their primary target and and there was even a tease that they oh, were gonna of go, the go inheritance, after inheritance That's
0: right. Because of the
1: inheritance. Yes. Now you could be right, that inheritance could amount to the taking weapon. up Whitebeard's original weapon. That's a yeah. cool idea. Um, and, you know, there is, there is a sense that one day it would be nice to have Luffy visit this this area as well because this is where um, Ace's grave is as yeah. well. Um, and just to think about what that would mean for Luffy emotionally is, is too juicy to not consider even as just a pit stop. Um, so – and again, the, regionally speaking, all of these events are relatively close to each other. Um, you know – Sphinx, you know, I don't know the exact geography. I'm not tacking. But, you know, Sphinx <laughs> has to be close enough to Wano for Marco to get back relatively quickly. Yes. Because not a lot of time has passed. You know, time is still a little wibbly wobbly. We don't know where Blackbeard is, for example, right this second. It could have been He's backwards. Either, it could be backwards, right? Like the, the yeah. law Blackbeard encounter could have happened first. Like we're not quite sure how all those events uh, – Correct me if I'm wrong, please, someone. But you know, like times a little wibbly wobbly right there. But just by the merits that most people are still traveling by sea, you know, Sphinx has to be close enough to Wano, which means it's close enough to Egghead. Um, so it it is possible that maybe that's our next pit stop on the way to Elbath as we go around. Uh, it, it, it's again, it seems very possible that all of this little, these little bits and pieces aren't just setting up endgame stuff, but literally is setting up next arc stuff even.
0: Yeah, because I've always speculated that, and, and we've talked about this before, actually, that the Straw Hats are not going to go back to Wano, but I do think something's going to prompt Yamato to leave and eventually join up with them or meet up with them whatever you want. But anyway, I, yeah, my thinking here is that, yeah, because Marco essentially is like, oh, you know, that's, that's nice. He's a, he's a hero. That's really nice. And then Ms. Bakken is like, well, you got to go save him, you know? And she's like, okay, you don't, you don't believe that Whitebeard and Weevil are really related, right? And then she says that Dr. Vegapunk can prove it. So that kind of makes us wonder, like, does that mean she wants to try to get him in touch with Vegapunk in real life? I don't think so. Cause I think that's like logistically challenging. So my thinking there was that she has some sort of evidence that she can show him that's related to Vegapunk. I don't know.
1: Uh, um, blood sample or something right you know that's she she clearly knows you know from the freeloader status she may not be as technically skilled as the mads but she was there she probably has heard those conversations she probably has at least a surface level understanding of it if weevil is a clone and let's face it if anyone else is a clone at this point he's the he's the best candidate for that
0: my thinking then is why would Marco go along with it? And you know, maybe it's because he feels like he owes Weevil for saving the people of the village. That's probably the best explanation. And maybe it's he's what just going to. Whitebeard
1: you know, would do. Yeah, it's what Whitebeard. He'd send somebody, right? Like, be like, I you feel protected b- my home.
0: I just feel bad for Marco. He just wants to relax and retire. And nobody likes <laughs> Mar-
1: I I I really Marco doesn't really seem to have much ambition. You're right. Um but he's just so powerful. He's so cool. You know, <laughs> like I was yeah. going to be like, I wonder what Oda's end game with him is. And it's like, maybe there isn't one. Maybe he's just cool as heck. Cause yeah. he's cool as heck.
0: Yeah. He's uh, the basketball coach, you know, and just kind of, is a lot cooler than you would expect. Um, so you mentioned Green Bull, Admiral Ryokugu, who is able to take down Weevil. And I wrote this down because I was a little bit like, all right, how strong is Green Bull? I was trying to like go back through it and be like, what was he able to accomplish that we've seen? And so we know that, uh, well, first of all, we do know that he was sort of recruited out of necessity because Aokiji, uh, was, is no more, you know, now he's straight up,
1: uh, drafted if I remember right.
0: Right. And so Fujitara and Ryokugu were basically recruited into the Marines directly. And so we don't know how strong you know, Greenpool really is because it's not like the Marines were able to like promote somebody from within that they have like a, a great track record for, I guess. But so they bring him up and we do see him like easily without breaking a sweat, bring down King and Queen. Now, granted, they were both injured. However, I do think that there is something to be said of the fact that he was able to take them down like super easily uh, and they probably were, you know, recovering and you'd think that they'd be able to put up some sort of fight. Uh, he was clearly like, Outpowering, overpowering the, the scabbards. Like the scabbards didn't really stand a chance at all. His power was just overwhelming. And we didn't really see Yamato fight up against him, which would have been a really good indication because Yamato was at full strength. That said, he took on a huge, like, blast breath attack. And I think that, like, it didn't really phase him, the, the attack from Momo. And then after that, he gets the inkling from Shanks, uh, the, the hockey. And I think Mm -hmm. it's not that he was beaten. I think that he looked at it and was like, all right, uh, there are two emperors of the sea here and I'm having trouble against like the Wano locals. So I think that he wisely surmised that he wasn't going to get out of this uh, easily. He wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. Uh, He was not told to engage. So I think that I that, I think he is really powerful, but he was just playing it safe at the last minute.
1: That's kind of that's kind of where I'm at, too, is is again, I kind of actually hate power scaling in one piece because just the way the power system works is is far less based on like hard and fast rules Mm -hmm. um, and more about, um, you know, just kind of figuring out how each situation fits itself. I think so people need comes- to remember
0: the vulnerability of these things because it's the reason that an admiral couldn't just go after a Yonko because it leaves a vacuum. If you do that, you leave yourself vulnerable to the other power. You, it's like right. all that and- almost happened to Luffy.
1: And and is and you know, you think about Marineford, um, you know, there there's eventually where so much attrition happens across the board that you're you're completely out of resources. Um, you know, they are a military outfit. They have to think about this tactfully. It's not just like Luffy, well, I'm just gonna go punch everything in my way. There are resources they have to think about. There are people they report to. Green Bull was absolutely already in deep crap. <laughs> because he had already ignored orders right like this this could absolutely lead to some genuine problems because you know who i definitely think he can't beat sakazuki uh, yeah so I agree with you know, you. When, it, when it comes down to that you know if you can't beat sakazuki you probably don't want to uh piss him off too much eventually he too must leave his his office um
0: and he probably didn't because he was able to bring in king and queen which i think is like a right big, yeah you know. i think
1: i think i think because especially since Za- sakazuki is also not against uh not follow you know you know getting a little bit creative with following orders um as we know his from his various war crimes i think he has a little bit of of understanding but starting an incident between two emperors of the sea over an unaffiliated um world you know nation not affiliated with the world government that could potentially unleash an ancient weapon is going to get the attention of the elder stars and eventually you get lava fisted like like there you have to kind of think about it like oh if i bring in straw hat luffy it doesn't really matter that i broke the rules because hey i brought in straw hat luffy but you're not bringing in both. There's no way. So you, even if you get away, even if you get one of them, you have agitated a situation far beyond something you can handle completely solo. Which, again, he arrived completely solo. Um, I th- but I think also the way his powers work, because he didn't just beat king and queen. He didn't just fight, punch king and queen. He drained them. He drained the scabbards. Uh, the fact that, like, you know, you think about the scabbards specifically – um you know they're all samurai most of them don't have you know combat based devil fruits if they have devil fruits at all so you know physical strength is probably not how this goes in, in just a one-to-one so if weevil you know isn't a hockey user for example or hasn't mastered hockey he's probably doesn't stand a chance because so wait if, you do we know, know that Greenpool, for sure that we he don't know? that's what i'm saying okay that's yeah. what i'm I saying we don't does. know I mean, I, you would assume, right? At this point, if he's operating at this level, he does. But can buggy use hockey? Who knows? <laughs> you know, like, like again, the rules of this are not necessarily always one to one to one to one. So, if Weevil is primarily an armament hockey user, even and is just relying on raw pure strength, all that Green Bull needs to do is get some vines around him, and that's a quick. He makes quick work of that. You know, potentially. That's how um, I feel. Yeah, so it's like it's probably not so much that Green is so much more powerful than Weevil in strength or that like he's tiered higher. It's, you know, we're talking about the basic rules uh, uh, of, of One Piece. Well, he's a Logia also, user. He's a hockey user almost certainly.
0: Also, you on know? top of that, it's not just Greenbull. He has tons of Marines with him, so it's not just right. Weevil taking he out a bunch of Marines. showed up.
1: So, he showed up with an army this time. Yeah,
0: I don't think Weevil would be able to take on any Admiral one-on-one. Along with an entire group of Marines, like bombarding him, you know what I mean. And Greenbull right. can fight from a distance too. So yeah, I, I think that he didn't stand a chance. Honestly, uh, there's also the possibility out- that he avoided the conflict because he didn't want them to destroy uh, Sphinx. We don't know if like he turned himself in or you know tried to escape or yeah, whatever.
1: Yeah, if somebody could truly harm uh an island, even just from an environment standpoint, think about think about. Not even destroying Sphinx, but destroying its um, agriculture. Right. You know, if, if Green Bull can cause things to bloom, hypothetically, he could also cause them to wither. Actually, so, so that's,
0: that's kind of where I'm at now. I think but what, what happened is Green Bull showed up and basically told him, like, if you fight, like, I, my powers are going to bring this whole place down. And then Weevil, you know, basically sacrifice himself and maybe didn't even fight at all um, because it's not like she says be- she says he took my weevil away. She doesn't say that he beat up Weevil, she didn't she not say that he, like he defeated him. She's like he showed up and he took Weevil. And so that's kind of why mm-hmm. I'm thinking that that it was more of like a it, there was no fight. Because we it would, would see be an
1: interesting. It would be a very interesting um character turn for him. Because we don't we don't have a lot of his personality, you know, outside of he's white beard son, he wants to fight, he wants, yeah. you know, that legacy. Um so it would be um It would be quite some growth to see him actually carry some of Whitebeard's, um, you know, passion for the less tangible treasure.
0: If S-Hawk can have the spark of humanity, then Weevil can too, can he?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. That would be. And, you know, Luffy would probably actually like him. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs)
0: Luffy would have a
1: great time. Big fighter,
0: dude. Um, You know it. I, I do think that he has to have some sort of arm and hockey. Cause I just don't think you can operate in the new world without it. And my thinking I mean, yeah. with hockey has always been that one of the reasons like crocodile and Moria two of the warlords we see in the first half of the grand line. One of the reasons I think they were, they weren't strong enough to beat Luffy is because they lost their ambition and hockey comes from will hockey comes from like the sort of like the stress of experience of like, exploring and trying to conquer. And they sort of went backward, you know, because they each had experiences that brought them down, like broke their will, you know? And I think that in both those cases, when you, it's like a regression. And I think that Crocodile did have that power. He did have that sort of like capacity for power, but he just sort of chickened out because he was like, I'm just gonna conquer the, you know, the little league over here. And that was what set him up to be defeated. But of course, now he's much stronger. But I think because now he's going off into the new world and sort of reclaiming that sort of like conqueror spirit. That is what I think really is what powers hockey itself. Um, that's my thinking, you know. And and
1: yeah, yeah, I think you're. I think you have a good grasp of how that works. It's it's willpower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you could always say, well, why didn't Crocodile use hockey when he fought Luffy in, in Alabasta? And the answer is is pretty obvious. He didn't have to. Luffy wasn't using it. He was pretty sure Luffy was never going to be able to touch him because he knew that you you basically need hockey to make that work, um, and Luffy finding a way around that through sheer will, like, uh, like like I said before, Luffy changes people. He changes his enemies as much as he changes his friends. He he, he can't help it. It's the kind of person that he is as a shonen protagonist. <laughs> um, so it, you know, and and then when he got out of Impel Down, when Luffy gave him the option to get back out in that world and take another crack at it. Um, you know, I think he's really gonna go for it. um uh, mm-hmm. Crocodile's such a good villain. What a what a! What a <laughs> I know, and, you know people get out later. The
0: I know people get mad about Pell not dying, but I think you kind of need him to be alive in order for Luffy to like be okay with Crocodile. <laughs> That's kind of where I've always stood.
1: Um, spo- so spoilers, and and this might be just because uh, they didn't know, but spoilers for the One Piece Odyssey video game. Uh, real quick here. Uh, at least some of the Straw Hats appear to be under the impression that Pell is still dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be believe funny, it or actually.
1: not. It, like there's dialogue in the game, and it could just be an error on the game's part. Of course, the game is not yeah. canon, but uh, but literally there's dialogue between the Straw Hats mentioning that like Pell saved us all. He sacrificed himself, and it's like, oh, they still think he's dead. <laughs> Which again, you know, it's it's such a reminder that all of these things are happening in the world. Many of them because of their actions, and the Straw Hats have no idea. They have no idea, you know, like they're like, oh, uh, there's a whole the warlords have been disbanded because of the, the countries we treat. Oh, that that's interesting. Yeah, me cool. <laughs> you know, right. Like they have no idea. It's great. Um, this is it's the fun of this world, though. Well,
0: you know, speaking of revelations and. Ah, yes. <laughs> so we cut to a- an assemblance of ships. And of course, we see a few marine ships. But in the center, would you know it is a world government flag. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, no, no, they're not gonna do it. Because of course the seraphim are now under control. And who could override the Vegapunk's authority over the Seraphim? Well, it would have to be one of the five elders, one of the Gorosei. And sure enough, we see uh, our our old friend, the you know Bolsonaro himself, show up out of nowhere and Essentially, he does like a, a quick little like. Did you test this tea for poison? You know, whatever is some some food and tea. He brings it to none other than our f- the first five elder that a we've seen out of Mary Joie, and b that we have a name. And so he remarks very briefly. Uh, Kizaru asks him, "Hey, have you ever have you ever met Doctor Vegapunk before?" Making small talk, and and, uh, and so the fi- the elder says, uh, "I have just just once a long time ago." But I must say that I find this turn of events to be most regrettable. So we're dealing with none other than one of the five elders, the highest authority in the world, Saint J. Garcia, Saturn. And so that is his name. And he looks very intimidating in their shots. he does not look like a frail man in a room <laughs> um he has uh that trademark scar and travis i gotta say when when we finally when we saw him my my heart leaped and i flashed back to the chapter we just talked about last week where it was the first time we saw ever saw the gore say nearly a thousand chapters ago like i think 900 chapters ago or something like that and here so, we yeah, are a now.
1: couple hundred you know <laughs>
0: yeah it was like chapter 200 something like 234 i forget the exact one but
1: there is fun we spent some time talking about it
0: that's right because you know that was the same like group of chapters where like kuma and doflamingo get introduced for the first time it is is pretty wild Um, and we see the blackbeard pirates like assembled for the first time all that but no uh how are you feeling how uh (laughs) what was this moment like for you (laughs)
1: I have not been so hyped to see an old man get off of his chair <laughs> since, since Willy Wonka. <laughs> um, since uh, probably when uh, the, the the when we actually got to see uh Yamamoto's Bankai in Bleach. I don't think I have been as in the manga. It, it happened in the anime just last year, but in the manga, it was it's ten years ago. <laughs> And I remember being uh, for weeks just absolutely riding that high. And side note, the anime does that very good um, as well. It's the it's the best the anime ever was. But um, yeah, never been have been that hyped for an old man to get out of a chair before. And, and he, oh, what is he doing? He's sitting in a chair anyway. But he, it's yeah, a yeah. different he's sitting chair. Sitting in a new chair. <laughs> and and, and the door I'm the saying, Of course, yeah, he's on the prowl now. Uh, what a what a twist! Just 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 you know couple couple episodes ago we were saying you know hey this is gonna be a nice easy breezy arc we're almost done we're gonna, we're gonna sail on out of here to the to the proper you know full uh you know action arc and just nope we're winding up the curveball everything is gonna come to bear on our friends right now
0: <laughs> right because here here's what i'm thinking I, i'm thinking that after assuming we do, but assuming we have a big flashback thing with Kuma, which I think is what happens now. I think after that, we're going to jump to Saturn. I love that name uh, showing up like on the Island. So like that, uh, the time has passed and they've made it to the Island. The straw hats and the Vega punks are still looking for Vega punk. Maybe they find him at the last second and now they have to escape. And it's sort of like the, you know, escape from the elders and the Marines and I think that that's kind of like what we're gearing up for, because I don't think that, you know, they say explicitly here the Straw Hats can't leave without Vega Punk. And I think it's going to be like a, a race against time to try to get out of there before the, you know, the everything hits the fan. I do think that we are going to get like a dose of, a dose of like how dangerous this man is because he's considered a saint. Right. So we know he is. You know, I think, I think we knew that Gorse were celestial dragons, right? I mean, they kind of the,
1: the, they were, they were confirmed to be celestial dragons. They were confirmed to be the highest of the celestial dragons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not clear if that's election based or inherited. I've always thought that they're the
0: OGs. I've always thought that they have like lived for a long, long, long time based on something that has to do with either like if they're a different species or if they are, well, aliens which you know we don't have to get into that or you know even simpler if they happen to be immortal and that's like one of the secrets of the world is that the celestial dragons and them have an ability that allows them to maintain immortality which uh popular theory i have always found it very convincing um but uh, because it, it kind of ties into their motivations and why they ha- everything has to be the way it has to be but also do you, travis do you think this guy do you think he's uh stronger then like do you think like he's powerful then i think
1: i think think the thing about the the gorose that has always hung over this series and you even mentioned it um when you were describing the panel they are scarred they are all of them have wounds all of them have signs that they have been um in combat um and scars in one piece you know if you get a scar in one piece, you've earned that scar, right? Yeah,
0: like Luffy's um, scar under his eye, self-inflicted.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, like like scars kind of matter. There's even some theories about how like scars kind of tell parts of the story. Um, and the Gorosei have especially uh, Mr. Jerry Garcia here uh, is a <laughs> is a he's got a nice big one right across his face, right? Um, These are these are men who have hovered over the One Piece story for so long now that they feel like they've been there forever. And a part of a part of that is they have always looked like they're in charge because no one could remove them if they tried. Like that is they look physically
0: they look physically imposing. You know, they They have big bodies, you know, they have uh, one of them has like a weapon. The guy who kind of looks like all times.
1: Yeah, at all times. He is a sword yeah um
0: that's the the, one sorrow
1: fights right like come on
0: (laughs) i think it was ohara the uh youtuber who speculated that each of them kind of like looks like a different like historical figure um i don't know if i buy into it but i do like the idea he said that one of them looks like a young abraham lincoln (laughs) um And then one of them looks like Gandhi and so on. And then I I think the idea is that like they all represent like people throughout history who were were like ostensibly for freedom or they like oversaw a world before freedom came. And so that's the idea. But even that guy you see has like he has like a big scar on his chest. Uh, One of them has a big scar on his forehead. Uh, Two of them, I don't think we ever see scars, but they look like really tough and they probably have scars like on, you know, somewhere we don't see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. They, they they are an imposing force, so that they are now involved. And of course, you know this has kind of been Chekhov's gun for a while since we saw yes. the, the hierarchy of control. So it's not necessarily surprising outside of the fact that, like, oh, we are we are actually at this point so much. Like the Gorosei did not get, you know, like like White at one point was literally at their doorstep, right, and they didn't get up. Yeah, well, they left it. They left it to. the the marines shanks you you know
0: just kind of like shanks right and they
1: did not care yeah you know how many people and this is um i I don't know if we have ever gotten a clear question how many common people even really comprehend the gorosei as a concept do they even fully understand that that like these men have this kind of influence outside of like a vague concept is their engagement with with them as as an idea the same as like every americans before 2016 you know that kind of thing um or is you know or is everybody just kind of hush hush about it there's so much we don't know about them including of course their names and the name is probably the single most theory generating thing since um since that time that oda revealed that there was a clone of a rocks pirates kicking around i don't (laughs) know if you remember when that happened Mm -hmm. um these things used to be years apart, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, it was, not days. sort of week after week these days. Um, um,
1: you know, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a theory, uh, theory, the theory community get so lit on fire since you know clones were introduced. But, but even, um, even more so than that is that it fits right in, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, they're the older, ancient discuss, you know, you know, Greco-Roman. Uh, era discovered planets uh, and the ancient weapons are the ones discovered after the fact uh to represent the old in the in the, in the modern world of course yes. of course they are that makes perfect sense
0: um so the speculation has been all over the place on this on his naming uh in particular people have said that like jay garcia it seems like it's referencing jerry garcia kind of looks like uh that and it it would make sense because like you know the grateful dead and and the naming conventions can, could continue to be like I, I, a bunch of people were saying. Like one of the gores that oh, could be Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Oda,
1: Oda Oda going full like uh, yeah, uh, Freddie D. Mercury is is this one that <laughs> I got sent. It was a good one. Yeah, that's um, just to just to you know, Jackknife. Uh, I mean, if 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 uh, if he wants to go Iraqi with it and just start naming them after bands, I'm totally fine with that. Sure, sure. I but, mean, uh, Viz would don't. hate him, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> other people have also noted uh that we know two of the ancient weapons are poseidon and uranus and which quick question for you by the way before i before i get into the whole breakdown of the planets what was the last time we saw Shirahoshi? hoshi like she made it out right like yeah uh, marie joie and she was safe yeah the time? We,
1: yeah we know she made it out
0: okay I don't know it's just kind of. I just wanted to check in real quick. Um, just a quick check in. Yeah, yeah. I'm just a little nervous because you know this stuff is happening, and I feel like she's going to come into the story again, uh, her and Neptune. Um, but okay, we we could also speculate that Pluto is an ancient weapon, and we have the Gores say probably like we have Saturn, and the rest of them could be Jupiter, Venus, and Mercury, and uh, what Mars. else? Mars. Mars. Yes. Mars. Um, I knew I was missing one. So if that's the case, and well, what would the sun be? It would be Joy Boy, Nika, Luffy. Um, for the moon, two two leading theories. Um, my first thought was Blackbeard. I came across a few other people who were like, eh, Momonosuke, you know, we know he's important to the story. We know the moon is very integral to, the, to Wano and all of that kind of makes sense. Um, and also, because uh, I think the Kazuki clan, it's like a moon, right? Moon and Swan or something yes and uh he has the voice of all things all that kind of leads to him being very important right because he can control the elephant okay but blackbeard is the other one that i i think that makes a lot of sense thematically because if luffy's the sun and his arch nemesis is blackbeard he, him being the moon but of course blackbeard could also be like a black hole uh there you go uh where, where do you land on the oh and earth people think is uh Im. um but yeah
1: so So, yeah, I'm I'm firmly in the in the of course, uh, you know, Oda had been planning these these reveals for so long. That's why Blackbeard's power has been a black hole. He's the opposite of Luffy. The opposite of a star isn't really a moon. They're not the same thing. Um, You know, like the moon is a very different entity than the sun in reality. Uh, But, you know, what the opposite of a sun actually is, is when a sun collapses, which would. You fit right in with blackbeard's powers but um, blackbeard doesn't sleep
0: which matches the moon motif yeah
1: uh yeah it, those are loose tenuous connections in my opinion we, we literally he literally has a, a move that turns him into a black hole like like we know this we've seen it demonstrated so like that's where i'm firmly sitting as like yes he fits into the all of this one way or the other it doesn't really matter to me how it how it does it's clear he does um and maybe just setting his powers up that way was the first hint that we got because oh Oh, Skypia just also so happens to be the saga we got the setup for the Sun God in the very for very beginning anyway. So, you know, again, Oda's like playing twelve uh, dimensional chess with us. Um, you know, I think I think what we're really dealing with here is is more um, symbolism than it is anything else. Um, you know, uh, I'm just gonna completely plagiarize the uh, Artur video that dropped like right before we started oh, recording, I and, seen I, it. and I and I sped watched. Um, because, um, because our tour does Japanese translation, which I think is super important because while I think the, the translators at Viz, um, are doing an excellent job and, um, they're doing an even better job than most people think, uh, they were the ones who nailed Buckin before anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, W's to them, but, you know, so, because of the way Oda writes, there are things that literally can't be communicated through the English language, of course. Um, so, sometimes it's important to actually analyze the the kanji usage um that he's using and of course this you know uh, so from that he jumps into the whole celestial body thing specifically the the more um the more you know rena, you know pre-renaissance era understanding of celestial bodies which is to say again you know it was perceived that we only had five other planets surrounding us, and that they were uh, that they were uh, rotating around the Earth, which we've even seen a model of in Ohara, um, which he calls out in the video as well. You know, it's not that there's multiple moons of one mm-hmm. piece; there are multiple planets of one yeah. piece. Um, so there, you know, there's all of that, and so that these that these characters kind of represent that situation. Emu is the king of the world. All of that really tracks in a symbolism kind of way. Do I think that means the the Thousand Sunny is going to space? I mean, it's one piece. I'm, I'm not about to... We have lightsabers I mean, now. Missed, so I like... messaged
0: you not too long ago, <laughs> earlier today.
1: Earlier today. um,
0: and I, it's... In our Discord, which you should definitely hang out with us, because I mentioned I dropped it there, and you can see all the proof. But I was like, what if Luffy's dream is to go to space? What if that is the dream that like made people laugh, but also made people be like, he's serious because, and here, here's my, here's my reasoning for it. I do think that the symbolism there that makes sense. Like I kind of like the idea that the, um, the Royal families, um, had like these sorts of names, hence Neptune and the ancient weapons are named after them. Maybe the original Royal families from the void century. And maybe there's a connection there, but in terms of the straw hats, like in, luffy's specific dream he said right before egghead he told he told every the whole crew and some of them looked horrified others looked like you're joking uh sanji looked like he was ready to go you know space mermaids but he said that he can do it because they were like how would you even do that what he said he can do it if he becomes king of the pirates and my thinking is that
1: because the freest man of the sea
0: the freest man of the sea we in the anime even reiterated this in this past week's episode because we have a Yamato flashback where, you know, we see once again, like gold Roger talking about, sorry, gold D Roger. Roger is talking about, uh, or we see Roger like find the one piece and everything again. And people are speculating on like why he becomes King of the pirates. It's because he conquered the sea. He's the first person to travel the entire world. And apparently Luffy thinks that if he can conquer the sea, that means that the only other place to go to be the freest he can be is go to space. Where Nell is, and he and Nell can finally reunite and hang out and fall in love. No, but that <laughs> I like the idea that I, I've always liked the idea that celestial dragons are from space as well. I remember, like, people have been speculating that since Sabouti when they had, like, the helmets, they look like astronauts, right? And uh, obviously, it's because they don't want to breathe the same air, but there could, of course, be this idea that they consider themselves celestial bodies, that they were aliens that came to this world and and caused all kind of, you know, havoc and everything. And, you know, the civilization used to be more advanced is another wrinkle to throw in there that we could have spaceships back then, you know?
1: And we have Lunarians, of course. Mm-hmm. hover over all of this as well
0: and if an iron uh, giant was like a you know originally programmed to fight against aliens or like these invaders that would make sense of why he would have gone to Mar- Mary joie and so on and so on and so on i think that 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 whole theory periscope ha- makes way more sense now that we know the student's name and that's why i think that otis like layered it the way he did i think that's why he didn't name them when he named like I think that's why he waited, because he knew that it would start to open the floodgates of speculation.
1: Yeah, it's 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 strategically structured for sure. And into your to your theory, um, to your theory, <clears throat> the way that I think about what Luffy's true dream is, whatever that turns out to be, it has to meet basically two criteria. Number one, it has to be you know something that can only be obtained. When there are no limits, it has to be something kind of fantastical, but more importantly, it has to be childlike. It can't just be dumb. It can't just be, you know, something, you know, I want to be the Hokage, you know, that's that's very difficult to achieve. It can't be it can't even be ambitious in, in a in kind of a mature sense. Um, it has to be something that a young child would think of and keep to himself like 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 have it be his own personal little self secret it has to be something that childlike and wondrous and even if it's not luffy literally saying i want to go to space but rather i want to explore the sky or i want to you know i want to explore beyond this world anything like that is it's just childlike enough to fit that comp- that that requirement Um, which means it would explain why the Straw Hats
0: are horrified because they're like we're on your crew so if you want to go there that means we have to go we have to
1: go there you know he he was absolutely over the you know (laughs) over the moon there you go to to go to 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 Skypia to discover that Sky Islands exist. it was one of the most exciting things in the world and everybody kept telling him no they don't exist and he's like no they have to exist I need them to exist and how many motifs have
0: we gotten of the Sunny flying through the sky like a spaceship flying through the sky Uh, the latest anime Um, features that prominently yeah
1: right and and it's it's confirmed at the very least one you know um species can breathe in space because nl's we not have wearing space any elements pirates. Or nothing. we've we've, we've space m- pirates. <laughs> this is a thing
0: that can happen
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's it and and specifically the revelations in, on egghead really help make this click because one piece is a world you know it has very much become this anything can happen and it's been this way for a really long time but oda has stretched that anything could happen to really you know to to you know multi-dimensional points so like his manga
0: ate the real gomu gomu no me yeah yeah it's it's, it's
1: literally it's literally a, a a boundless possibility um you know we do we know that there was an advanced civilization like you know it's it's completely plausible that this is something even if it's not tied directly to like the end game of one piece um, you know, one one of the things that I've always had um, personally is a little bit of a sticking point um, in, in just the entirety of of the story is that if Laugh Tale was just an island, someone would find it. There has to be something about it.
0: I've been thinking about this a lot. I've, I've been thinking about like what that might be. And I have a feeling what they're probably going to do is they're going to like get to that point. And then I like the idea of the one piece being a ship, by the way, um, not really like a, an Island to your point. That's always moving. And that's why you can't find it. But I like the idea of like, when we get to the last part of the the new world, the last part of the grand line, do we have like that one last Island? That's like kind of chill. Um, I think we're going to get story material there. I think we're going to get like one of the major powers is going to go try to go get something and then get like devastated by some sort of natural event, something that makes that part of the sea unpassable without the one piece which I think is the key to getting through the last part of the sea, not just a destination that that's been my kind of thinking for a while.
1: So the, the only thing about, about this is tricky is that Oda has said over and over again. Now that that regardless of how the story goes, the one piece is the end game. So whatever the one piece is, Mm -hmm apropos of luffy's dreams or anything like that that's the last step it's not a step to something else it's not we find the one piece and then a war breaks out or something you know we do all of it and then we will finally answer the question of what is the one piece so you know is it if it's a ship that feels almost at least to me like kind, kind of disappointing if only because we won't get to see what they do with it
0: well, no, I think you know, I think that it's going to be after everything, and it's going to be like, even even if it's not a literal ship, it's going to be something that allows them to traverse the end, kind of similar to when, like, mirroring when they go through Reverse Mountain and they have their big thing where they go over the falls and everything, and that to me it seems like the One Piece would be the key to that because otherwise, why do you need to go to the Laugh tale? you know? And I I like the idea of like Roger laughing because it's you know. It's they all laugh, right? It's not just Roger when they get there.
1: Yeah, they they all laugh. Yeah, uh, his is called out specifically, but they're all laughing.
0: Yes. OK, I want that's kind of what I wonder, like his dream was to go to space and <laughs> like Luffy's dream. And um I'm just saying, like, maybe maybe it's, that's what it is.
1: It's it's it, again, it's one of those things where like clearly we're no longer thinking horizontally. We need to be thinking vertically uh, for sure. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's even if it's just symbolism, which you know probably isn't, but you know, you know we we have to be thinking at that regard, um, and yeah, uh, just a name. An old man gets <laughs> off of his chair and goes on a field trip, and it's, uh, it, uh, you know, we might as well have just started a whole new manga yeah. <laughs> with the kind of level of hype we're busting out. It's wild.
0: The last thing I wanted to mention, I I know we brought up the cross guild already. But I think what happens next with them, um, I think they are going to get Boa Hancock. Uh, I think that they're going to recruit her. And I think they're essentially going to be like a pirate conglomerate of like former warlords. I don't think they'll get a hold of uh, Doflamingo because Crocodile famously doesn't trust Doflamingo at all. Um, But hey, you know what? If they did... If they did, for whatever reason, go to Impel Down, if if that's where Weevil is, they could essentially get two warlords for the price of, right? Like, I like the idea of them first getting hold of Boa Heincock, uh recruiting her, and taking her off Rayleigh's hands, I guess, and then eventually going to um, Impel Down and breaking out two warlords, because they're in that general area, uh, assume, uh, presumably. Um, so they could essentially, like create their whole like cross guild like the final stage of the cross guild at that point all the former warlords except for gecko Moria, who's uh out of the picture essentially and uh law who i think is a little bit far off from where they are so that's my last bit of speculation i think it's uh, i think it'd be really cool to see the cross guild become like this fun little sort of you know yeah they're, they're this own like extra power in the world that just messes everything up for everybody
1: uh, and, and you know, it the idea of this war being like this big scale thing, of course, everybody's been expecting just this massive, um, you know, all out drag out brawl. And it's always been framed as basically a, a two sided conflict. Monkey D. Luffy and uh, you like my Jeff Keighley impression there. Uh, but, but like the Straw Hats and their fleet versus the world government, the world, the nobles or anything like that. But, you know, there are so many other factions here vying for the one piece vying for for power, like seeing cross guild build itself up as it's kind of a third party to this war. Um, you know, that's a good complication to the situation because they're not loyal to any side of things. right? Yes. So and there's also the red haired
0: pirates. uh Brian well, Shanks. is factor here. In, you know, Blackbeard's whole uh, fleet. And then also the. uh uh, Kaido and Big Mom, who, for all we know, could come back to this story. Who, yeah. Anything's possible.
1: At, at least their crews could, absolutely. There's there's no reason not to see King and Queen again. Um, we're definitely gonna see Katakuri again, um, uh, just because we know Pudding is out there and we know how Katakuri is. Like mm-hmm. that's almost a given. So there's there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving factions. So it's probably not gonna be like a two sided war and then we go fight Blackbeard, you know, kind of like Naruto style, but rather it's gonna be you know almost like an actual global conflict with multiple different not nations but organizations like a world, and factions. War, sort of like a world war yeah
0: yeah, because we're probably not going to see just like the straw hats fighting everybody. It'll be, it'll be Like in this corner, we have the cross guild there's, versus the There's so the many factors. Like, yeah, you... there's
1: so many factors in this conflict that they don't even know about or have a personal stake mm. in beyond that it could become an obstacle later. Like Luffy's not this military commander trying to like plot out global domination. My man just maybe wants to go to space, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs>
0: uh, and then yeah, and then <laughs> and then you have Law. Then you have the kid pirates. It's just you know. It's going to be an all-out the, war. Uh, plus, but there's, there's the
1: nature of yeah, yeah. There's the nature of the Void Century, of course, and the and the and the world government as well too. There's a lot of questions that that linger. Um, you know, if if all of if, if they're truly immortal beings with all of this power, why so much secrecy? Why why does Emu hide in the shadows? Like, obviously, there's a political reason, but I want to understand that. I want to know how they settled on it. We all want the fourth century right? flashback, right? Yeah. yeah like,
0: why do they like, pretend like the throne is empty? Yeah.
1: Why you know why do the Gorosei operate the way that they do? They seem to let a lot happen in the world, e for, for people who generally have one job, and that job is to make sure no one um overthrows the government. They well, sure I seem remember to have, because we haven't know, talked about it, but I
0: remember when uh the king of Alabasta, you know, died. I always thought it was presumably because Sabo told him that somebody was sitting on the throne, and the idea is that emu does not want the kings of the islands like the different you know royals to emu find does out. not want to
1: be perceived and yeah. that you know like literally their their characters enshrined in shadow there's something about them that oda can't tell us right um so they had one, to one of them kill most-
0: yeah they had to kill the king of alabasta for knowing too much and then you know because that delicate power balance is all they seem to care about
1: Yeah, and and how they got there, what the philosophy of that is, um, you know, are they anti-spirals? What's the deal here? (laughs) Like, like, uh, it's just – that we're so close to at least getting a little bit of that. Just to have – saturn walk out and just straight up declare like like this is for the good of the world or something actually taking a, a proper position in the story and influencing it and since this is an all of one piece is just a battle of wills anyway having this will now step in to mm-hmm. try to get everything in line that they've decided okay now everything's so bad that we have to do this ourselves yeah. we're in we're in for a good time we're in for such a good time i and i
0: know some people were speculating that Saturn, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, he, reg- he finds the situation regrettable, you know, does that mean he cares about Vegapunk? No, he finds it regrettable because Vega Punk was of use to him. I generally do not think the five elders care at all, um, about people. Uh, it's all about, yeah, maintaining their power. And I think it's a simple, I don't think we're going to get like complicated, nuanced, you know, things from them because I just, you know, I would be surprised if that was the case.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it's it, that's all void century stuff, whether they're immortal or their descendants or whatever, whatever their actual ideology is, is not going to become clear until we have gotten a lot more information. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, but do never think we're going to this- teasing?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to end this arc, though, on a big sort of like. Power revelation of like the Straw Hats stand no chance against these people, and they thought that they were so close, but they're not. You know, the same kind of like awakening they had when they fought Aokiji for the first time, and we're like, we're completely out of our depth. And at, obviously, it'll create all kinds of madness from the fans like, well, the Gorsay are this strong. How come they didn't just, you know, take down Kaido? Why didn't they just and look? I think there are a lot of reasons they do what they do and allow certain things to exist, you know, and to allow certain like allow certain wars to always be happening for their benefit. I don't think it's that simple or ever has no. been for them.
1: No, um, it's it's got to be very complicated. And I oh, I want to sink my teeth into it and understand it.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that Get will excited. be all the understanding we can do for this week's Rookie Pirate Radio. Uh Travis. It's been a, a blast as usual, but we're going to be on break for two weeks, and so we're not going to we're we're not, not going to have another chapter next week. However, we are hoping to talk about something else this coming week. If you have any ideas, uh, we're going to be deciding that uh, probably, hopefully soon. I think we might be talking about an anime, uh, like an anime we recommend or something like that. You Might have a special guest, that sort of thing, or uh, another, another possibility is we could have a theory episode where we just spend some time talking about theory. So the same kind of thing we usually do, honestly, without the structure. <laughs> um, either way, if you want to, you know, give us a suggestion, uh, or if you want to hit us up for any reason, don't forget uh, our discord link is in the show notes. We'd be happy to wave you on in, uh, until then though, Travis, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really anxious for 1074. I feel like, uh, the clock's ticking and I want it to, I want it to be tomorrow. I want to be right now, actually.
1: I want want break over. I want. (laughs) Amen. Amen.